It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. But, you know, still, he's yakless. Oh. He's the yakless wonder. He is. My God. Good job, Zach Ertz, baby. Love it. Ertzy, babe. Ertzy, babe. Whether it's the fighting Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. God damn it, I love Chase Utley. And John Mita. Terry Williams, do me a favor. For one week, can I not talk about you? Johnny Mata. They got it done. On the road to the Super Bowl. They got it done. One more to go. Four quarters, my friend. Four quarters. Welcome into the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. It is the Hell Yeah edition. Because we are going to the Super Bowl, baby. Philadelphia Eagles going to their third ever Super Bowl after waxing. Those Minnesota Vikings at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday night, 38-7. The final, Joe O'Donnell here, John Mita there. Follow us on Twitter, at Love Podcast. We're going to talk a ton of birds today, as we should. Johnny Mita, how are you, brother? I'm oh, feeling great, man. I forgot to share my Vince Papali story from the Atlanta game, or did I? No, you didn't. Oh, I'm going to share that real quick. Start right before the Atlanta game. You see Vince sitting in the section next to us. I go up to him, I go, hey, what do you think today, Vince? You know what he goes? What the F do you think? Vince Papali, <laughs> Invincible. I love so, it. Clearly, I knew that was a good sign. Yeah. Well, and from there, they just uh, they just really built off. Uh, honestly, I feel like they built off the Atlanta game. Yeah, no question about it. What a historic performance. And you called it, Joe. Got to give some props to you. Who do you thought the player of the game was going to be? Church, Church of Foles, of baby. Foles. Church of Foles. And that... His numbers absurd, and it just—it's—it's it's hard to describe. I mean, witness. I mean, I, I rewatched the game, and you know, obviously, I was there. I rewatched it. It was just magnificent. I mean, they go down early seven, and then you're thinking, "Oh boy, are we going to be in for a day here? How tight is this going to be?" And yeah. then from that moment on, things just clicked. And we didn't say it all year, but you got to give. You got to give the coaching staff credit because yep. how they got all ready and prepared to play that football game in such a big moment, such a big spot, absolutely phenomenal job by the coaching staff and by everybody on the team for that matter. I mean, it was just, but Joe, we saw a lot of, a lot of the play calling. It looks like they kind of really delved back into the 2013 game take of Nick Foles and where he was successful and dialed up a lot of his points. I mean, a lot of people say, well, you know, he can't really throw the ball downfield. You know, they, you know, they did the old dink and dunk against Atlanta. If they're going to beat the Vikings, they got to get some big chunk plays. Listen, in 2013, he was throwing 50-yard bombs to Deshaun Jackson 
and he threw even a couple 50-yard bombs to Riley Cooper. Yeah. So you can't say that he didn't have the arm strength. I think the conditions, too, were ideal. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot of wind. It was 50 degrees outside. It was great conditions for him to throw the football. And, boy, he was spinning it all over the field, and it was awesome to see. We're going to dive more into the game, some kind of takeaways that each of us had from the game. But I want, since you were there, for our listeners on the Brotherly Love podcast that couldn't be there in person at the link, how crazy was it? The atmosphere, the environment, the celebration, the city. I mean, just share it, my friend. Share well, it. I mean, but here's the deal. When you're going to give Philadelphia fans a night game to get lubricated, if you know what I mean, yeah, to enjoy some of the adult endeavors and beverages, you know it's going to be a rough and rowdy crowd. And the Vikings fans, and I'm sure you probably saw this on the internet, you know, they came into town and they were kind of a little disrespectful. I know we gave hell. People did a lot of nasty things. And listen, I'm not going to tell you that there's not jerk, jerk Eagle fans out there that just have some, you know, inexcusable behavior. But when they start doing this skull clap on the art museum steps, they start trying to dress Rocky up in some Vikings guard. Like, no. Don't come into our city like that. You're only asking for disaster. It was epic. Everybody was joyous. So many people hugging in the stands. I mean, it was just a special moment. And I think it's like what it came down to is like you just wanted to see this team. It was such a great, you know, we said this word 20 times in the last month. Just a special it was a special night. This team is very special, and it was just amazing to be there and just to see this team keep on peaking. And I still don't think they're done yet. And that's one of the things I also that you probably didn't see, you know, post game back, you know, in Iowa is that when the players came off the field, when they headed to the locker room after the, you know, on field celebration and the trophy presentation. They weren't, like, jumping through. They were excited. They were happy. They were smiling. But you can just tell that there's something else on this team's docket that they need to accomplish for the year to be complete. And and I love the way they're looking right now. I could barely sleep uh, going into Sunday. I'm not going to lie. There were times, like, I woke up, you know, the kids in and out of the room. So you wake up yeah. a few times, and I usually I fall right back asleep. Every time I woke up, I was thinking about football. You know, and I don't want. I wasn't nervous before the game. I was just anxious. I wanted the game to start because I felt confident. Like I really, you and I both thought they were going to win by double digits. There weren't a lot of people out there saying that. Now our score prediction twenty four thirteen wasn't really close to thirty eight to seven, but it was pretty close. You know, we just didn't see winning by thirty. Not, you know, the, believe it or not, the mayor had the closest prediction thirty five to seven with this goal. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just felt good. I, I don't know that I've ever felt. I mean, the 2008 Phillies are one thing. You know, they were a team that was really good, that played really well. They won some huge games in the playoffs, coming from behind against the Dodgers. They had that that sense of it. They had that togetherness. They had that special feeling you talked about. And it was almost like, as nervous as I was going in the Tampa Bay Rays series, uh, series there in the, in the World Series in 2008, it wasn't the Red Sox. It wasn't the Yankees. And I was like, we could, we could beat the Rays. I just don't know if I've had that type of feeling about a Philadelphia sports team since then, until now. Like, I, I, the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl, John Mita. 
And I know when I said it six weeks ago, I was going out on a limb and kind of being a donkey, and I've stuck to it. But the Eagles are not going to lose. I don't care if Tom Brady is the second coming of Jesus Christ in a football uniform. I do not see the Eagles losing this game, dude. I just don't. We're going to talk about it next week. We can break down the matchup more. But for the most part, they're going into the game healthy. They're going into the game with the entire city behind them and a ton of momentum. And once again, they go in as underdogs. And I know that Tom Brady is not Case Keenum. I understand that he's way better than Matt Ryan. I understand you could be up 38-7 to against the Patriots and the game doesn't feel safe. But the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. So you just better prepare for it because it's going down. You know, the great Seth Joyner, one of my favorite players of all time, he believes that his matchups favor the Eagles. And he thinks, you know, that they're going to beat the brakes off them. And I tend to agree. It, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I'm a homer. Say whatever you want. But if you look at the game, now the last time the Eagles and the Patriots played, what happened there? Eagles whooped them. Whooped them. Whooped them. And why did they whoop Because they got so much pressure on Brady coming up down the middle through the A-gap. Now, you look at that game, I know these are two different teams right now. I get that. But our defense is way better than it was back then. Way better. And the Patriots' defense is as good as it has been in years past. And that's why, you know, right now, Sports Illustrated, you know, their Super Bowl prediction, Pat scored 27, Eagles 16 with Falls on the cover. Like, you got to be kidding me. If we just put up 38 points against one of the top five defenses in the NFL and the Patriots are like a low 20, I guarantee you we'll throw at least 35 points on the board up. Wow. At least 30. At least 30. I love it. And I don't think they score more than 20. But we'll get the predictions yeah. later. But honest to God, I don't think they're as good as they were. You name me one of their pass rushers, Jeff. Who's going to get to the quarterback? Where is Foles where he becomes uncomfortable, where he gets a little rattled? Is if he's under duress, but if they have nobody that's going to be able to rush the passer, then I think he could pick them apart. Yeah, I know their secondary is decent, but I'm, I don't know. I just think this team, Joe. You, you know one thing that really, when I rewatched the game, that just just stuck out as one of those plays when Patrick Robinson, okay, when he intercepted that ball. And ran it back for a touchdown. When he cut across the yeah, drain, don't hey, don't get hey, don't get too far ahead of yourself here. Don't get no, too far ahead no, of yourself no. here. Look at you diving right into the next topic. And I wanted to no, talk. No, I went no. back and watched a lot of the game myself, and I love doing that. Watch it with the kids. I pause the DVR. I show them formations. Like I know what the hell I'm talking about, and they love it. <laughs> all right, but I watched that Snapchat, and I heard what you were saying, and and Troy Aikman circled him on the screen. And I heard on the back end of that Snapchat that was out there from Keith, Keith Michael Michaels, you know, you were like, look at Ronald Darby. He went 40 yards to make that block after stopping on the play because it was on the other side of the field. All right? And here's how it sounded from the great Merrill Reese. Keenum goes into a long count, straightens up, takes the snap. Here comes the rush. He's hit, and it's intercepted. It's picked off by Robinson. Robinson at the 30. Cuts back across the field. Patrick Robinson looks for a block. Now he's at the 20. He's at the 15, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Patrick Robinson. The rush came from Chris Long. Yeah, give the pressure to Chris Long. He gets to Keenan. 
And that is the game-changing play. Whether you like it or not, six, seven minutes in, you think, oh, you can't change the game. You can't win the football game on one play seven minutes into an NFC title game, eight minutes in, whatever the hell it was. That play changed the game. Now, let's break it down. The anatomy of the pick six. Uh, it was just, it was a literally entire team effort on defense. Just look at how everybody blocked. Nobody blocked anybody in the back. You saw kind of Rodney McLeod pull up by the sideline with his hands like, no, 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 I'm not going to touch him. And then even though Darby went rolling down the field to get that leg, he tried to block. He, of course, he got blown. It doesn't piece, matter. It, it got him in the end zone. It, it's, those are the type of effort plays. This, this is why this team, I believe their team is destiny, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. It's plays like that. It's the other play where Kenyon Barnard, Jalen Hopkins is on the ground. The punt is going to go right in them. It's going to be right off them. It's probably going to be recovered by the opposing team. What does Kenyon Barnard do? He literally grabs Jalen Hopkins and drags him 15 yards out of the play. It's those certain things that we see all year. You know, the, the fourth and one touchdown against the land and the post, the, the block that Trey Burton makes on that linebacker yeah. to free the edge. Well, Carson Wentz on a torn knee, fourth down. Jeffrey picks that ball off the grass blades. I mean, they've had a million. Jake Elliott, 61 yards. They just, they find ways. They find ways. And and on that play, on that pick six, it was all hands on deck. It was everybody. The second he caught that football, that entire defense was thinking to the house. And when you have that mentality, you have that confidence, you have that playmaking ability, man, you're hard to beat. And again, I know that the Vikings – look, I didn't think the Vikings were all that all year. I'm sorry, I didn't. If if anybody asked me for my opinion, Case Keenum is a loser, all right? The Vikings were overrated. That was my take all week, all season. So I know the Eagles didn't beat, you know, a bunch of 14-2 and two teams to get in, and they, had, and they did it at home. But there's no way they were going to be denied by these teams. They earned the right to be at home during the regular season, and they took full advantage of in the playoffs. Yeah, and did you see Keith James' face after he threw that pick? Yeah, he was scared out of his mind. It, it was shook. I mean, absolutely shook. Like, oh, no. And then he gets sacked. You know, Derek Barnett, the big rope, comes up with the strip fumble sack. recovered by Chris Long. Guys in all over the damn field. And another play. Just demoralizing. Their defense made so many demoralizing plays. Yep. So, did you know this? This is the one stat that just stuck out that I heard about on the radio that just boggles my mind. Out of 10 games at home this year, we're not we're excluding the two bum preseason games. The Eagles did not give up one rushing touchdown. Wow. <laughs> That's absurd. That I is. Mean, that is unfathomable when you think about that. And, and the defense, they, it looks like they're getting better. I mean, they're just, you know, they had the one mixed up and Najee Good, he was in there. For Did the you see he played game. one snap after that? <laughs> I saw that. So, <laughs> see you, Najee. So, Take I, care, brother. Yeah, so I think LRB should be back by the time, you know, yeah. we get the track. Again, they're, they're healthy couple. going into the Super Bowl. Unless they sustain a practice injury, they're healthy going into the Super Bowl because all yeah. their injuries came with guys being done for the year, like six Pro Bowlers in the first, you know, 12 weeks or whatever. Yeah, like. Listen, how about let's, let's get some kudos to the offensive line. Yep. I felt like Vikai played the best game of his career going against one of the top defensive ends, Everson Griffin, in the NFL, and he just handled business 
all day long against them. They kept Foles clean. He was able to move around, slide around the pocket, make some big throws. They did a good job of getting the run game going with the J train. And, uh, and we got plump with that. I, I just, I'm telling you, man, they're on a roll. And everybody's going to roll. It's a shame, it's a shame, that, that, shame this football game's not tomorrow, to be quite honest. I know. But, well, you hope, you know, the two weeks just doesn't. But, but hey, it's another week. It gives us another week to prepare for the best QB and coach combination in NFL history, right? Yeah. So. Yep. Yep, that and I think, you know, the the good thing is, look, I know the Patriots are going to have a huge experience factor, and you know from listening to me over the years and on this podcast, I'm a big believer in that the Patriots will have an advantage early in that football game when the lights are bright and some of the Eagles players are going, oh, crap, we're really here. So you just got to yeah, hang in early. In you got to hang in there, right? Because yeah. Brady and, and Belichick, they'll, they'll blow your doors off if you're not ready. But good news is the Eagles have guys that have been there as recently as last year. Blunt, Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins. These guys have played in Super Bowls in the past. They are also important parts of this team and the core leadership group. So I, I think they'll be fine. But again, those initial first minutes, and I know we'll talk more about this next week, will be slightly concerning. Yeah. Uh, give me a game ball from the NFC Championship win and give me an unsung hero. Game ball goes to Chris Long. Because his pressure changed that entire game, and then he also comes up with the fumble recovery after Dirk Barnett strips Keenan in the red zone. And uh, I'm going to go Chris Wall. Unsung hero, Patrick Robinson. Yeah. The guy's been doing it all year long. Guy who's made crucial, but he, he has a career high this year, like five interceptions. He has been, when everybody, including myself, going into the season, oh my God. We have no defensive back. I mean, we have safeties. I feel good about the safety right. position, but cornerback, Sidney Jones, Ronald Garvey comes in, Patrick Robinson playing the slot. The cornerbacks have stepped up in a major way, and Patrick Robinson has made some huge plays. So he's the unsung hero. All right, I'm going to give my game ball to Alshon Jeffrey. Woo! Because those two touchdown catches, I know the one was child's play. <clears throat> But I think it was big for him, especially in the whole Foles chemistry and number one guy, first time in the playoffs, didn't have a huge game against Atlanta, but made some big catches in that one drive to kind of extend the drive. But I think it was big for him to have a little swagger going into his first ever Super Bowl. And now my unsung hero, there's really, with this team, and it's been the case all year, you could go a lot of different directions. I mean, Torrey Smith has a drop on the first drive. You're thinking, here we go. They take a penalty. Burton jumps out of bounds. Like, it was, it could have been grease fire mode. The Robinson pick obviously changed the potential for all of that. But I'm going to go with Corey Clement because he made a move in the second quarter on a third down swing pass that he was, he was dead in the water. He was going to be well short of the first down. But he spun off the tackle. He got the first down. And moments later, Alshon was wide open on that bomb, and there was not a shot in hell they were coming back after that. That made it 21-7, and you can forget about it. Uh, he's, he's been an unsung hero all year as well. I mean, he leads the running back in touchdowns, and, and the guy who he basically put to the sideline, I mean, that's Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr is a nasty linebacker. You know, keep in mind, he's the one that put Aaron Rodgers out basically for the season, right. even though he did come back. And they give him a stiff arm, and then he threw it into a spin move and got those extra yards. That was a hell of a play. Yeah. And it's it just, you 
And that that's it's some that summed up the game to me, John Mita, because when you go back and you watch it and you and you and the emotions a little bit out of it because you know the result and you're not as hammered as you were when you were watching it live. Like you watch the effort plays they made. Ertz got a first down on a third down Ertzie catch baby. where he was where he was short. Ertzy baby, Ertzy baby, where he was short of the marker. Corey Clement yeah. short of the marker gets it. You know those they kept the Vikings defense on the field. They made every big third down play pretty much outside of the first drive where Minnesota went down the field and had their way. I mean, like, After I mean, that, the Eagles yeah, made every like big, 14, yeah. yeah, every big momentum shifting play. Where if you're a Vikings fan, you're like, all right, it's fourteen seven, just get off the field. No, you don't get off the field. Thirty five seconds later, it's twenty one seven. You know you kick the mm-hmm. ball. Twenty nine seconds left in the half. Right, big run on first down. Yeah. Okay, now the Eagles are in business all of a sudden. You know, if, if Ajayi, if the line doesn't create that hole, if Ajayi goes for no gain, Eagles are probably taking an eight. That was three more points. I mean, there were just spots in the game where the game was still yeah. very much in doubt, and the Eagles made the play. The Vikings did not, period. Would you sentence. think, you know, you're also going to give some kudos to the coaching staff. Yep. So, David Rhodes, who's probably one of the top five cover corners in all of football, he goes out with a toe injury. Yep. And Alshon Jeffrey then... It's going up against the 41-year-old wonder, Terrence Newman. Yep. And that's how he got free because he able, was able to take Terrence, move, or, uh, Terrence Newman and hit him with a double move, and that's what freed him up. Yeah, that, 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 play to me, that play to me looked a little bit like a scramble drill, too, where, like, Jeffrey, I think, had run his 10 to 12-yard oh, yeah. out. He took a look back at Foles and just broke. You yeah. know, and you said Vitae held off Griffin just enough, and Foles was able to step into it. He was wide open. I mean, you look at the flea flicker. You got to have protection if you're going to start running video game plays out there. You know, and that ball was thrown right to the pylon. How well he sold that? Yeah, he kind of was like just jogging. Yep, Corey Smith. Yep, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah, I'm just jogging," and then he was like, "Boom!" Hit it. And then the other play too, the other double move that I saw that was amazing. Was what Zach Ertz did to Harrison. Smith. Oh, the out and up Zach on the sideline. Oh, the out and up was owned him. Just crucial. Owned him. What a move Zach Ertz made to get freed up to put them in field. I'm like, because I said to myself, I'm like, how the hell did he? You know, when I watched the play live in the I'm like, how the hell did he get that wide open? Yeah. And when I rewatched it on television, I'm like, oh my god! And he was just laughing about it because, and that's how you get open in this league. You know, you don't have to be the fastest guy, but if you have if you can make moves where you're using your footwork and your 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 body language, that's that's how some of the best receivers get freed up. Yeah, and they had they had Marvin Harrison. He wasn't the fastest guy, but he would he was able to do some moves like that that would just create the separation that he needed. Look, they they built their own momentum throughout the game. They kept it going. You mentioned the coaching staff, all facets, out coached the Vikings big time, and. Again, you and I going into the season through last year, through parts of this year, we didn't know if that was going to be the case. But when this, when when Sunday's game was unfolding in front of us and they were starting to blow them out, I couldn't help but think about all the weeks this year where a win for the Eagles looked exactly like that. October, November, early December. Didn't matter the stadium. Didn't matter the team, the time of game. At the end of the game, it was a, it was a, laugh, it was a laugher. It was a joke. You know, 50-some yeah. points on the Broncos, blowing out the Redskins uh, in the second meeting or whatever. You know, they just they just did whatever they wanted to so many teams this year. And they did it again without Carson Wentz this time on the biggest stage of the season. That's coaching, that's personnel, that's execution, that's confidence. The offense, yeah, sure, maybe the read-pass options 
you know, they were they were rolling with it. They had the Vikings on on their heels, but that game felt like games earlier this year where by the fourth quarter, you could just sit back with your feet up because there's not a shot in how the other team was coming back. And I know some of those teams were, were not having good seasons, but it's the NFL. The Eagles were crushing point spreads throughout the year because they were making huge chunk plays on offense and defense, and they would force a three and out, get the ball, go right down your throat again. I mean, look, I know the Patriots are going to pose a huge challenge. All right? Like, look at the defenses that the Eagles lit up this year. I mean, they, they, they put 30-something on the Rams, pretty good defense, on the road. The Broncos were turning into a grease fire, but their defense is still pretty good. 50 spot. Vikings, NFC Championship game, 38 unanswered, 31 on offense. That's not counting divisional matchups. That's not even counting the Seahawks game where I know they lost, but they scored. So the Chiefs, I know they lost, they scored points. I mean, this offense, no matter who's been a quarterback for the most part, what's it been, uh, you know, 17 weeks worth of football or whatever. Like, look at what they have done. They have found ways to put up points. Exactly. And when you break down their rep, it's like Bill Belichick, you've heard of it countless times. Everyone has, I'm sure. It's like a broken record. You know, he does everything in his power to take your best option away on offense or your second best option. But with this team, the way they spread the football around, okay, you're going to cover this guy. You're going to double team Alshon Jeffrey, then we're just going to work the hell out of our tight end. You double team Fletcher, and 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 look at the other side of the look at the other side of the football. You double team Fletcher Cox. Perfect. Here comes Brandon Graham. Here comes Chris Long. Here comes Vinnie Curry. Here comes pressure off the edge. You know, I I just think there's a lot of ways the Eagles can win, and I know that Belichick will have his A game. You know, Brady's going to have his A game. You know, Gronk's going to get his. I I understand all of that. I know we're you know two weeks away, but I'm telling you right now. This Philadelphia Eagles team, they find ways to get it done, and they are not going to fall flat on their face. It ain't going to happen. I agree. Hold on to it. All right, brother. Um, I got one other thing for you because I'm just afraid I'm going to forget some of this stuff for next week. But I have an early sleeper for the Super Bowl MVP. (laughs) All right? Get your your checkbooks out. Lay some money on these odds. Here we go. My boy, Nelson Aguilar. And I'll tell you why. Dome environment, big stage, ultimate redemption story. We talk about the Eagles writing the sweetest chapter in Philadelphia sports history this year, right? Been saying that for weeks to you. What is the best way to put a bow and a final chapter on that is that Aguilar goes out and has the game of his life in the Super Bowl. Perfect conditions, prime time, using his speed, shakes Patty Chung, hit him on a deep ball. I love it, brother. I can't, I and I can't wait to have Patrick, Patrick Chung, Eric Rowe, get ready to get exposed. That's all I can say. Matt Patricia will be checked out. <laughs> He'll be checked out. Josh McDaniels will be checked out. They'll be waiting for their, their new paychecks to start coming in for their new head coaching jobs. But an early sleeper, yeah. Super Bowl MVP, my boy, who I've given such a hard time to. I had him written out of football, told you he was soft, told you he couldn't play last year. He got it together, man. <laughs> He got it together. I, I, look, I, when he sat himself out last year, it was embarrassing. But he's found yeah. a way to redeem himself, totally redeem himself, and he'll put well, listen, the icing I mean, on the cake hey, in the Super Bowl. I, I mean, listen, look at how it was. You know, when throughout the course, throughout the course of training camp, we're hearing that this guy's been the best wide receiver throughout many camps, training camp, preseason. 
And then they trade Jordan Matthews, who was the team. My boy. That was, he was really my boy. Right. You know, they trade him to move the spot, to put Aguilar in his spot. And it's been, he's been unbelievable this season. And it's great to see. Because, listen, out of USC, the, the kid was talented. That's why I couldn't understand. I'm like, like what's going on? Like, I just don't think he's going to be a bust. But, but, again, that's coaching. You know, the coaching are like, these are how we're going to get him involved in the game. And they gave him a little confidence. And Doug, you know, he stated how much confidence he had in Nelson Aguilar when everyone else was like, oh, like, who the hell is he talking about? But, yeah. hey, it's worked out, and it's awesome. All right. Since we've got next week as well, let's just go to spread the love, a, uh, a topic, a segment we haven't had in quite some time. And uh, it's only appropriate that we queue up. The romantic tunes. Johnny Mita, you start it, my friend. Spread the love. Oh, spread the love, man. Ah, oh, God. I'm about to tear up, man. Um, spread the love just to the entire team of the Philadelphia Eagles for giving us. And Carson Wentz. How about Carson Wentz, too? Let's talk about how he's helping holes on the sideline. He's going over all the diagrams on the surface. He could have jumped on that microphone when they were holding up the trophy, but he did it because he's humble. And the whole team is humble. And I love watching these guys play because I think they truly love to play together, and I think they love one another as people. And I think that's why this team is so damn special. And I believe that they're going to hoist the Lombardi trophy in a couple weeks. And uh, and spread the love to the God above Okay, they were able to make me and Keith Anderson win the Super Bowl lottery. Woo, How, about that? The love. How do you like that? How do you like them apples? How do you like them apples, Brady? Yeah, uh, I'll send you my Tom Brady video. I don't know if you saw that one, but uh, I can't believe you're gonna really... you're gonna. And the early word is you might travel through Des Moines to get to Minnesota, which means you'll be in Des Moines. I won't be. The irony, my friend. The irony. The irony. Well, we'll make sure we get get a good meal for your wonderful children. Well, yeah. I'll send you. And I'll send you. Uh, I'll we'll, se- make sure they, we'll make sure that your car is gassed and washed. <laughs> we appreciate not having to rent a car as well. So I said. I was just. I was just thinking. I was just thinking that maybe you can come to the studio and dial me in for a podcast when you roll through Des Moines. Uh, my friend is all about it. <laughs> you better do it one more from Minnesota. I go. All right. Let's see what we get done. All right. Good I'm gonna tr- get it. To meet I'm Charles, done. I love it. I thought you were going to go with Lindros retirement ceremony. No, nah, God, dude, we, we can't talk hockey right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Hey, Ehoff, great player. Uh, we dropped the ball on that week to go. There's just too much Eagles right now. I can't contain myself. All right, I'm glad you brought up Carson sorry. Wentz on Spread the Love because um, I was thinking watching him, watching the celebration, he's on the podium, how hard it had to be for him. As much as he's a great guy, as much as he's a great teammate, as much as he's a, a man of faith, it still had to be hard for him to sit up there and watch that. But his time will come. In fact, he'll be there about this time next year, in my humble opinion. But I'm going to spread the love. 
to a guy we heard from earlier, courtesy of 94 WIP, but the 41-year broadcaster for the Philadelphia Eagles. 41 years of the Eagles in Merrill Reese. And I will spread the love to him because it's just the third time ever he'll get a chance to participate in a Super Bowl that involves the Philadelphia Eagles. He'll get a chance to call a Super Bowl with the Eagles in it for just the third time in 41 years. You and I, this will be just the second one we've ever seen really in our lifetime. Uh, And I know for a lot of old school Eagles fans, people older than us, this is a special team, a special moment, and they deserve to see what's next. But for Merrill Reese, congratulations to him. It's awesome. Couldn't be more thrilled uh, to see the soon-to-be Hall of Fame Eagles broadcaster get one more crack at least at calling the Birds in the biggest stage, biggest game, the Super Bowl. How great would that be from Merrill to have the opportunity to say, Eagles win the Super Bowl! Eagles win the Super Bowl! Wow. I'd love it. Let's hope, brother. All right, let's get on out of here. Right. Brotherly Sorry, Love Podcast. I'm hoping to have on. I'm trying to work my magic. I have a niece that works for ESPN. Trying, trying to get Kevin Nagani from ESPN, who's a born and bred silly guy on ESPN, trying to get him on the show next week with us. All right, love it. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at Love Podcast. For John Mead, I'm Joe O'Donnell. Always a pleasure, my friends. Spread the love. Appreciate all the support. The birds are going to the Super Bowl. Till next time. We'll see.